Hey guys, welcome back to Fiction Fixation. We're your host. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. And this week, we're going to be recapping the 2021 psychological thriller, The Woman in the Window, starring Julianne Moore, Amy Adams, and Fred Hetchinger. This is a creepy movie because Courtney decided spooky season started mid-September, and that's when we started spooky season. For the podcast, I decided it started mid-September. For my home, it started in August. Yeah. So this year I decided that, you know, it's the fall of thrillers and suspense and mysteries. I love it. It's my favorite genre. I mean, obviously psychological thrillers can get pretty dark and this one definitely does. Yes. So we've got the murder. We've got the other things. So yeah. The mystery. The mystery. I wasn't saying murder. I wasn't painting it as a plus. It is for us. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to lie. It's low key kind of a plus. Anyways. So obviously this movie is actually based on a book. Yes. This movie is based on a book by the same name, The Woman in the Window by A.J. Finn. Did you read the book? No. Okay. I did not read the book either, but I just thought it was interesting how there were all these movies like Girl on the Train and Gone Girl and The Woman in the Window, all of these movies. And what they had in common is that they had the unreliable narrator, just a woman who was a basket case or and or being gaslit. Yeah. Like the reliable narrator that nobody actually believes. Anyways, let's jump into it. Anna Fox, Amy Adams' character, is introduced to us as a child psychologist She lives alone in a very large New York brownstone. It's kind of like a townhouse. And she suffers from agoraphobia, which means she doesn't leave her house. This mental health professional doesn't leave her home. Well, it seems like Anna, you know, her having this disorder, which, by the way, agoraphobia is an insanely debilitating illness. Yeah. Just looking outside or getting close to the door just sends them into panic. And that must be terrible and terrifying. She gets really intense panic attacks at even just the thought of stepping out of her front door. And the thing with anxiety and panic attacks is that reason doesn't matter. Logic doesn't Mm -mm. matter. Logic, who is she? Anxiety doesn't know her. Nope. Sometimes your panic attacks come out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. You can open your window and sit there next to the fresh air every single day. But one day you're going to open your window and you're going to sit next to the fresh air and it's just going to go downhill and you don't know why or how. Like, again, logic, who is she? So Anna is a child psychologist, like we said, and Mm -hmm. like the concept of her treating people from home just doesn't seem to be a thing, which like, honestly, if my therapist is dealing with like really intense mental illness, like I would be okay with them taking a sabbatical. Yeah. In the therapist patient relationship, I feel like. There's only really room for one person's problem. (laughs) And since you're paying, it gets to be yours. Right. Right. 100%. Can we talk about these brownstones for a minute? So she lives in a brownstone in New York City. And these things are huge. Like on the outside, they look like a normal townhome. You would expect them to be around maybe 2,000 square feet generously, right? These things could be up to 5,000 square feet. They can be bigger than most like single family homes. Yeah, these brownstones, they're not like apartments. They're not normal everyday townhouses. These are like mansions, essentially. (laughs) Yes. And the street has a row of brownstones on one side and across the street has another row of townhomes. 
it's very lucky for Anna because she likes to sit by her window and spy on her neighbors. Yeah, that's her pastime. She sits in her windows and she spies on her neighbors. She looks to see what her neighbors are doing and she kind of has her favorites. There's a prayer group. There is <laughs> there's a another roundstone across the street that's for sale and has been for sale for a little while. Do you notice that in the universe of movies, curtains just do not exist? Like they're never a thing. Well, you know what? Like... All of my stuff is curtained. You ain't seeing shit into my house. Dude, I live like in this suburban street that no one drives through or walks around in. And I'm constantly worrying about someone just watching my family having dinner. Like, yes, I'm going to have curtains mm-hmm. and, and freaking blinds everywhere. Come on. But yeah, no, none of her neighbors have curtains. She does, though. Isn't that interesting? Because when you're a creep, you worry about creeps. <gasps> oh, my God. I worry about creeps because I'm a creep. No, that's fair. What a weirdo. Stay away from my kids. <laughs> she lives alone in this ginormous house spying on her neighbors. Yeah. Her and her husband are separated. Her husband and her daughter, they live somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, her whole vibe, don't you feel like it's a starter kit for how to be creepy? She lives in this giant house by herself. There's never any overhead lights on. Mm-hmm. It's only ambient lighting. It's so dark and creepy there. And she watches old black and white shows to fall asleep. She watches the craziest crap. Like half of the creepiness of this movie is just the creepy stuff that she's watching on TV. Yeah. And some of it's like meditation videos and stuff like that. And I'm just like, listen, that's not stuff that I fall asleep to. I don't. It's just it's so eerie. It's so ominous. I think we talked about it before. We're not into old movies. It's the uncanny valley, weird acting. It's so weird can't do it. I want 4K. If it's not 4K quality, (laughs) I want to see pores. I want to see pores. I want to know it's not a robot. Okay. Yes. Lucky for Anna, a new family, the Russells, have just moved in across the street. It's a man, his wife, and their teenage son. Yeah, she becomes very curious about them. And I don't really understand what is so interesting about them. They're new. Yeah, I guess maybe she knows everybody else's routine. Yeah, everyone else is boring to her now. So this is she's spicing it up. Well, the son, he's what, like 16? Yeah. He comes over to greet Anna to bring over a gift. And she invites him in, which first of all, as a woman living alone... I just don't know if it's like appropriate to invite the strange teenage boy into your house. But also, it's not like she can really go out and talk to him. She can't go out and talk to him. But and then also, do you notice how her general vibe is just annoyance? She is so Mm -hmm. annoyed that someone is ringing her doorbell and bringing her a present. No, she is annoyed. She's like, I wasn't prepared for visitors. Mm -hmm. I wasn't prepared for visitors. Mm hmm. Dude, gift giving is my love language. If you come to rob me and you bring me a present, I will let you into my house. I would just open my door. I'd say, thank you. (laughs) Gift giving is my love language. I think it's because we grew up as poor kids. Mm -hmm. And now that we are not poor kids anymore and we have adult money, now we're trying to like heal poor kid us. Yeah. And our husbands are like, we have to retire one day. Yeah. Our husbands want us to be financially stable. Um, I call it cosplaying as a poor person. That's what I call it. Call it cosplaying as a poor person. That's what I call it. (laughs) Anyways, creepy Anna invites this teenage boy into her house while she's wearing her pajamas and a long like robe. Yeah. 
She does look like a fucking disaster, though. The thing about Anna that we need to really harp in on is that she is on some very strong psychiatric medications while also polishing off a bottle or two of wine a day. Yeah, she's on the phone with her husband at one point and she says that she got these new meds and he's like, you're not supposed to drink with it. And she's like, you're not supposed to drink with it. They always say that. Have you seen that TikTok where they, somebody's looking out the window and it's like, oh, is that a mockingbird? And then the bird is like, is that a mockingbird? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, but I love it. Well, while Ethan's there alone in Anna's home, he's acting very timid, a little shy, nervous. He's an awkward teenage boy. He's very awkward. And he gives the impression that not all is well at home. He's dropping some very vague hints about his father. He says that sometimes his father can be violent and his mother's really protective, And Anna really feels for him. She's like, hey, listen, I'm a child psychologist. You can talk to me if you need to. But also, like, I feel like ethically, she's not really allowed to talk to him in the capacity of a child psychologist. Yeah. And also, let's be real. She's just being nosy. She just wants the tea. Do you know what I mean? You know what? Fair. Because as a therapist, like if you were living across the street from your clients, like that wouldn't be ethical if you get to spy on them all day long. Here's the thing. If you were living there and then your client and then your client moved in across the street, would you have to stop being their therapist? Would you have to move? That's a really good question. I would think that you would have to stop being their therapist if you're their neighbor. You can't have any other relationship. Yeah. So at this point in the movie, because listen, this is the one thing I have about this movie. It's trying really hard to be creepy because it's really slow. The movie's slow. And so it's trying really hard to be creepy with all the video clips of the weird black and white shows that she watches. And then also we get a Halloween scene. Yeah. So Anna has a tenant that lives in her basement that is converted to an apartment Mm -hmm. the tenant he comes and he takes her trash out for her whatnot and he's like what are we doing about halloween and she says i plan on turning the lights out and acting like i'm not home yeah but the neighborhood kids you know they have stories amongst themselves about the weird hermit lady in their story she's probably a witch who eats children i don't know if they think that she eats children because if they thought that they wouldn't have done what they did. That's fair. That's fair. What they did was throw eggs at her house and scream and yell at her. If your kid is going trick or treating and he's like, mom, like, do we have any eggs? Like, you're not going to ask follow up questions of like, honey, what are you doing with these eggs in Halloween? You know what? Well, it is New York. They probably just hit a bodega on their way to go trick or treating. <laughs> you're so right. You know, there's probably a bodega in the corner. These kids are just, they're literally bullying this grown woman. They're throwing eggs at her house. I don't even know what they're shouting, but it seems like they're shouting names at her or something. Yeah, they're just being douchebags. And so Anna starts yelling at them from the window, and then she starts yelling at them from the mail slot, but they're still just pelting the window Mm -hmm. in the mail slot with eggs. You know this was pre-pandemic, because you don't go around throwing eggs like that anymore, okay? Not in this economy. No, because eggs are not cheap. Remember when they used to be like 50 cents a dozen? (laughs) But I do have 10 new baby chicks in the garage, so. My dad died, so I bought chickens. 
to make myself feel better. Courtney, I'm so sorry about your dad. Yeah, my dad recently passed away. So the only good thing to come from this is being able to make dead dad jokes. I don't think anybody thinks that's <laughs> a thing you should ever do. But you know what my favorite dead dad thing to joke about is, is mm. that now that my dad is dead, Frank and I finally have something in common. Oh, because his dad died too. Yeah. That's so dark. Me and Frank have dead dads. My neighbors have dead moms. So together we're the dead parents club. Oh my God. <laughs> like the Powerpuff Girls, but sad. Like the Powerpuff Girls, but we have alcohol in our hot tub. Listen, we did warn you at the top of this episode, trigger warning for everything. We didn't say all of them were because of the movie. Some of them are just because of my general personality. <laughs> Anyways, so... These little shithead kids are terrorizing Anna. She gets a backbone for a second Mm -hmm. and she opens her front door to scream at these kids. But instead, she just collapses. Yeah, she actually takes a step outside of her front door. And then the anxiety of her agoraphobia kicks in and just everything goes white and she can't see and and her heart rate races and she just collapses. When she wakes up, there is a woman caring for her. Like the woman brought her back into her house. Yeah, there's this lady standing over her, played by Julianne Moore. And she's like, you have, you know, two seconds to convince me that I don't need to call an ambulance for you. Don't you think if she wanted to call an ambulance, she would have done that already? Probably. I don't know how, like how long she was unconscious. Do you know, I think there is a world where people don't worry so much when someone passes out, but I've never lived in that world because if someone passes out in front of me, it's 911 immediately. I take that shit seriously. I don't know. If I didn't know them, probably 911 immediately. But if I knew them and it's, oh yeah, her sugar's probably low, let's give it a second or... um... (laughs) Let's give it a second. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways... Uh, the lady does this hodgepodge field sobriety test thing. Like, how many fingers? Where are you? What's your name? The woman tells Anna that she saw her collapse from across the street. Anna, realizing that she doesn't know this woman, she immediately says, you must be Jane Russell. You must be Ethan's mom. And the thing about Jane Russell is that she seems like a girl's girl. Like, obviously, she's played yes. by Julianne Moore. And just like immediately, you want to be besties with her. She seems so friendly and nice. They start drinking wine at the island in the kitchen. and They're having a good old time. Jane and Anna really hit it off. Jane talks to Anna about her son and Anna, again, is trying to get the tea. Like she's trying to extract information from Jane because she is assuming that the husband is uh, violent from what the son told her. So Anna's over here like Ethan said that his dad is kind of strict. And Jane just flawlessly changes the subject. But you could tell that Jane really loves her son. She really loves Ethan. She even has a necklace with a picture of baby Ethan in it. And she talks to Anna about Ethan when he he was a baby and it's like that mother bond like you could tell she really loves her son it gets late and jane goes home of course anna watches like she watches from her window as jane crosses the street and goes into her house it's like i don't know dude it's just something so creepy about someone that just watches your every move yeah and the next day i find this creepy too the next day alistair the patriarch of the family across the street he comes over and he's being super sus He's like, hey, I was just seeing if anybody from my family has come over Mm -hmm. to see you. And with Ethan already saying that his dad's a little violent, with Jane not saying anything the night before, Anna just says, no, none of them have. 
Do you know, you've recognized him, didn't you, Alistair Russell? Gary Oldman, yes. Yes, he's serious Black. He's gotten old. Oh, yeah, but you know, he's all daddy vibes and not like in a objectifying way, but like in a, I want to sit in his lap and like have him read me stories kind of way. I too want to sit in Gary Oldman's lap. Maybe different reasons, <laughs> but you know, cool, cool. It's all good. Anna is really spending a lot of time really spying across the street at the Russells. Uh huh. She sees Jane getting into an argument and leave the house. And later that night, Anna is watching the house again. She can see from the window that Jane is like arguing with someone on the second floor. She doesn't see who she's arguing with, but she definitely sees arguing. Then Jane gets stabbed in the stomach. To be fair, what she actually sees is Jane stumbling backwards with a knife in her stomach. So like, was she stabbed? Did she stab herself? Did she stab herself? If we go solely by what we see, Uh she could have stabbed herself. Yeah, Anna's looking at them from her house through the zoom lens of her camera. Right. But she doesn't take a single picture. Right. Like, you think you wouldn't just snap one just for evidence or something? I would. Just get scared and press the, the shutter button by mistake? Yeah, She witnesses a crime through a camera lens and yet manages Mm -hmm. to not have any evidence that she witnessed a crime. Anna picks up her phone, calls the police, tells them that she just saw her neighbor being murdered or being stabbed. She doesn't know she's dead at this point and that she needs help. She gives the information. She says her name is Jane Russell. She lives across the street. She gives them the address. The lady, the operator at one point says, did you stab your neighbor? (laughs) Listen, they got to ask these questions. Dude, it must be one of the hardest jobs in the entire world to be a 911 operator. But every time I hear one of those 911 calls, the operator always sounds so over it. They do. They always sound so over it. And they're always so repetitive. I'm sure this is, it's a common thing. So I'm sure this is how they're trained. Right. They're so repetitive. And I'm like, they just gave you that information. Like, why are you asking again? And again, like you said, just to reiterate, we're not insinuating they're not doing a good job. They're trained. They know how to do their job. But just as a bystander, it always makes me cringe so hard when the operator goes, ma'am, calm down. Can you imagine like you're calling 911 and they're telling you to calm down? Anna gets frustrated with the 911 operator and decides she's going to go help Jane. She grabs an umbrella. That's a tactic that her and her therapist have been using to go outside. Mm-hmm. She grabs the umbrella and she she tries to push through to get across the street to help Jane. Obviously, she doesn't make it. She passes out again because her agoraphobia is just too strong. I don't know what she thought she was going to do. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I don't know. Uh-huh. Like, you called 911, but would you go toward a crime scene like that where someone is stabbing someone? Would you go interfere in, in that? No. No, that's some white girl shit. And while I'm white, I'm also not practicing. Yeah, I don't. It's hard to know what you would do in the moment, but you're not going to help anyone by getting stabbed yourself. I don't know. That's such a it's such a tough call. But yeah, so Anna tries to go across the street, obviously collapses because of her illness. Uh-huh. And again, I hate this in movies when like the character just like loses consciousness and wakes up and an entire scene has gone by because now when she wakes up, the police are there and not just the police. Yeah, the police are there. And so is Alistair Russell. Mm-hmm. And Anna starts to tell the police like, no, uh, Jane Russell, where is she? She got stabbed. 
this other lady comes in and she's like, hi, we haven't met yet. I'm Jane Russell. Yeah. Anna's like, no, no, no. It's a completely different person from the one that we saw earlier. It is not Mm -hmm. the Jane Russell that we met. Yeah. The cops are like, we checked it out. That's Jane Russell. Mm -hmm. Then they're like, hey, girl, listen, we found these pills next to a bottle of wine. First of all, were the cops just like rummaging through her shit? They were the pills were spilled. So, yeah, like they're probably like, okay, listen, it's all starting to make sense. This agoraphobic woman Mm -hmm. is on meds. She's drinking. She made a mistake. Do you notice that the female cop is so mean? She is. The male cop is very understanding. And he's just like, hey, you know, maybe you're just tired. Maybe it was a nightmare. And Anna's like, no, Jane Russell came over the other day and we had wine. And I know what she looks like. And that woman that's standing right there is not Jane Russell. The female cop is just like, bitch, you crazy. The female cop is so mean. She's over it. And the male cop is just like, hey, listen, if you need anything, if you remember anything, here's my card. Give me a call, you know? Sometimes we think we see people being stabbed, you know? But you know what's funny is that Anna confesses to spying on the Russells because she says, you know, I saw her being stabbed. I was watching them through my camera. And and Mm -hmm. Alistair Russell, the dad, is like, pause right there. Hold the phone. You're spying on us? At one point, Anna demands that they go and get Ethan. Right, the son. Ethan comes in and Ethan's like, Anna, you're not well. Because Anna says, Ethan, tell them that's not your mom. Ethan is just like, Anna, that is my mom. Like, you're not okay. But the thing is that Ethan looks scared. You know what? The cops are essentially like, listen, leave your neighbors alone. I'm really sorry that you got scared, but there's nothing to see here. Sorry, boo. Yeah, the cops leave and Anna watches the Russells go across the street to their home. And then she proceeds to watch them sit at their dining room table and have dinner. And again, I just want to reiterate, these brownstones are huge properties. And it seems like they are cooped up in this corner right in front of a window having dinner. For why? Because why? It seems like everything happens on that side of the house. The living room, the dining room, (laughs) the bedrooms. What is on the back of the house? I know everything happens in like 200 square feet of this house because it has to be in front of the window because plot. Because plot is always the reason. I thought it was actually hysterical that this woman who is not the Jane we know Uh is sitting there having this family dinner. And I'm thinking like, Did this man hire an actress to like play his dead wife? That's what I thought too. (laughs) I thought that he hired an actress to come in and like threatened his son. This is your new mommy. But like, where would you find an actress like that? Literally in a moment's notice. Because remember, Anna called the cops immediately. The cops were probably there in two minutes. I know it's still New York City. I think that if you're going to kill somebody, you would already have a decoy on hand. (laughs) Why would you have a decoy? Do you think he door dashed it? <laughs> Do you think he, he door dashed? Yes. Do you think he door dashed dinner? And then the woman that was dropping off dinner, he was like, listen, you want to make some more money? I have a business opportunity for you. <laughs> or this woman was like his girlfriend. Mm. And she's the one that killed the mom. Oh, see, that and never just, like, occurred to me. And just slid right into her place. That never occurred to me. But so at yes. this point, it's it makes no sense. Like, why mm-hmm. is this woman not the woman that we know as Jane? But then she's over there having mm-hmm. a family dinner with them. It's also wild. Wild. But 
Anna decides, you know what? No, no, you will not dissuade me from what I know is true. Even though I am starting to think that I might actually be crazy. I still need to look into stuff. So she does. She starts researching Jane Russell. She starts researching Alistair Russell. She finds out Alistair left his old company right after his assistant died. Mm-hmm. And she died from falling from a six-story balcony. Yeah. It was ruled a suicide. But also, like, super sus, two people close to Alistair have met their untimely ends. Yeah, that is really sus. Like, at a certain point, if women keep dying around you, sir, and you're so innocent, like, they just need to send you to the moon. Like, just stay away. Like, respectfully, stay away from women. Yeah, And Anna takes it super far. She pretends to be like an insurance adjuster calling the company on behalf of the deceased assistant Mm -hmm. to pay out a claim. She starts asking questions like, so Alistair Russell no longer works there? Do you mind if I ask why? And they're like, you know what? Why don't you give me your number and I'll call you back? And she's like, click. (laughs) Yeah, she was she was definitely committed to getting the tea, but also like she doesn't have anything else to do. Yeah, she's on leave from work and she doesn't leave the house. So you know what? I admire the dedication. I don't always understand kind of the lengths that characters go through to prove a point. But I I understand this. I feel like. At this point, Anna's starting to sort of like spiral. Anna starts accusing her tenant, David, of killing Jane Russell. It's just everyone's a suspect to Anna. To be fair, her tenant is on probation for something. She finds like a parole letter. And honestly, if you're a woman living by yourself and then you find the parole letter that was sent to your tenant, like I would be a little worried too. Like, did you did you not pay your parking tickets or did you like assault a woman? You just don't know which one it is. Why would you not run a background check on him? She does have more solid reasons for believing that her tenant is the murderer. Uh huh. David, the tenant, has been doing some like odd jobs for the Russells, helping them move in, helping them unpack, fixing some things. And then Anna's snooping in David's apartment at one point, and she finds Jane's earrings on his nightstand. They're very distinct earrings and Anna remembers them because she made a comment on them and Jane was kind of showing them off. So she Uh knows these are the exact same earrings. I think the coincidences are piling up. But what I think really supports Anna's theory that someone really did murder Jane is the fact that she gets an email in the middle of the night. She gets an email that's a picture of her, Anna, sleeping. Like someone creeped up to her bed and took a picture of her sleeping Girl, could never be me. No. Could never be me. I am such a light sleeper. I wake up like a freaking ninja. You don't even know. I will karate chop you in the throat. Do you know how many times my kids would kind of creep into my room and they would get like really close to me and be like, (laughs) why are kids so creepy? Do you know how close you are to just getting like donkey kicked across the room (laughs) in the chest? Like... Announce yourself. Yeah. But yeah, someone emailed her from like some anonymous Mm -hmm. email, a picture of her sleeping. So obviously Anna calls the cops immediately. The cops that were sent, it's the same investigators. It's the same mean lady and then like very understanding cop guy. They come and they see the picture and the cop lady's like, yeah, it's a picture. You could have taken yourself. She thinks the cop lady thinks that Anna took a selfie of herself sleeping. And then emailed it to herself. It's so weird. And Anna's truly unsettled by it. She's like, no, somebody was in my house Mm -hmm. and 
the tenant walks in and she's like, him, he's on parole and he has Jane's earrings on his nightstand. And then the Russells just come in. Yeah. The Russells saw that the cops were over Anna's house and they were like, dope. We have more complaining to do because this bitch is still spying on us. Like I would be upset too if somebody was spying on me. You know, you can't even commit homicide anymore without someone spying on you. It's just un-American. This is really un-white man of you. (laughs) But... Everyone's basically calling Anna a liar. No one's taking her seriously. And David's like, no, the chick I slept with, her name was Katie. So you don't know what to believe at this point. But what really is crazy is that one of the cops says, he says, Anna, your doctor told us that you're on medication and you've been drinking on your medication and they can cause hallucinations. And I'm sorry, but HIPAA who? Like the doctor just is giving away information about his patient? I think that if it's like an open investigation, they might be a little bit, it might be different protocols. But it's not an investigation at that point. What were they investigating? Mm, I don't know. But Anna gets really frustrated and she just says, my husband would believe me. Yeah, if he was here. Uh Uh-huh. And they're like, Anna, your husband's dead. Yeah, the police officer says, Anna, sweetie pie, honey bun. Your husband is dead. How did the cop know that again? They looked into her. Okay, so they looked into her. And this crazy thing happens where Anna just completely disassociates from the scene around her. Again, we have the tenant that she just accused of probably murdering. Yeah, of murder and stalking, taking a picture of her, whatever. And then she has the family from across the street that she's been 100% stalking. And then you have the investigators and everyone's standing around her. Anna sees this entire scene play before her eyes, which is essentially a flashback of what really happened to her family. It shows Jane, who's driving, her husband, who's in the passenger seat, her daughter's in the back seat. They are driving. It's snowing pretty good. And I think they're going skiing. They're going somewhere fun. Anna and her husband were separated. And she decided, you know what? We're going to have the family vacation. They were driving and her boyfriend calls. And the thing is, they're driving at night when it's snowing up a mountain Just those three things, it's like the holy trinity of not good, of no bueno. And essentially, Anna and her husband, they get into an accident. Her husband and daughter are dead from the car accident. After this whole thing plays out, Anna just turns back to everybody and just goes, I'm sorry to all of you. I'm so sorry. Up until this point, Anna had completely forgotten that her family died. She was in complete denial. She had been hallucinating conversations with her ex-husband throughout the whole movie. And so I think she realizes if I have been hallucinating my husband still being alive and having conversations with me over the phone, I could easily have hallucinated this woman coming over and having wine with me and then getting murdered. Yeah. And I think at this point, Anna's like, oh, no. I am the, I'm the problem. It is me. I'm the problem. It's me. I'm the problem. At this point, everyone's like, okay, Anna has realized that she made this all up. She has realized that she is crazy. Acknowledging it is the first step. Everything will be fine. Anna's tenant, David, he's leaving. He's moving out. I think he's had enough of this creepiness and he's moving out. At this point, Anna starts to make a video It's a suicide video and her last will and testament. But she also wants to make sure that this video serves as acquitting David of any liability in her death. First of all, it's it's very 
disturbing, right? She's making a suicide video. But I think she knew that if she just wound up dead, that there would be an investigation and that her tenant could be charged. Like he would look guilty as fuck for real. Yeah. And she states, you know, he has nothing to do with this. He doesn't know what's going to happen. That she's actually waiting for him to come get the rest of his stuff and then she's going to do it. It's a very sad scene in the movie because at this point, she is committed to ending her life. And she's scrolling through pictures of her daughter and obviously it's very emotional. And then she scrolls to a picture, a recent picture that she completely forgot about. So the day that the woman who Anna kept thinking was Jane Russell, the day that woman came over and they had wine and they hung out, Anna took a picture of her cat. And in the foreground of that picture, there's a wine glass. And so Anna zooms in on that picture and she sees the woman's face on the reflection of the wine glass. And this is just like- That's right. And this is just a huge revelation because it's like, oh my God, I didn't make her up. This woman really existed. And like, where is she now? So if this woman really existed and she's nowhere to be seen, maybe she really did get murdered. And while Anna's looking at that, David shows up to get the rest of his stuff. And Anna's super startled, but she lets him in. And she's like, David, do you see this? Do you see that in the wine glass? He's like, yeah, okay. She's like, that's the that's the woman, that's Jane Russell. And he's like, no, that's Katie. And she's actually Ethan's biological mom who ran away while she was pregnant with Ethan. It took Alistair eight months to track her down. And then she just kind of fucked off after Ethan was born and they've been running away from her and that she's she found them right recently. And so now it's all clicking like this was the woman Anna saw getting murdered. But when Anna thinks back to when she met Katie, Anna realizes that Katie never said that she was Jane. Anna said, you must be Jane Russell. And then Katie just went along with it. Katie just went along with it because what is she going to say? Oh, no, I'm actually Katie. I'm here to cause drama. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. You know what? At that point, David's, listen, I'm just going to get my shit. I really got to go. Because Anna begs David to come with her to the police because this changes everything, right? Because the reason Anna was Uh going to take her own life is because she really thought like, I'm too crazy to exist, which is terrible, a terrible thing to Mm -hmm. think. And obviously- She's not that crazy. I mean, she's a little crazy, but she's not that crazy. Like crazy, but probably not totally unreliable. Yeah, like us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, David absolutely refuses. He's like, bitch, I'm not even supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be in Springfield. I have to go. David walks out of the room and then you just hear a thud, like a groan and a thud. Yes. And then Ethan just sort of like comes into the room holding a fucking knife. Yeah. So creepy Ethan, the creepy teenager. I mean, we didn't call him creepy. We called him awkward. But let's be honest. Awkward is a little creepy. Yeah. Ethan comes in and Anna's like scared, you know, because he has a fucking knife. And she's like, David. And he's like, oh, David's dead. Yeah, David's gone. And also, Ethan does his villain monologue, just like a very, you know what, there's something, I really appreciate how villains love to spill the tea right at the end. Like, I appreciate that. Yeah. They spill all the tea. Like, at least you're going to die being fulfilled. Yeah, you're going to die knowing the whole story. Yeah. He basically says how, like, his bio mom was, like, a piece of shit and how Pam, the assistant, was just practice. 
Ethan essentially confesses to being like a budding serial killer. He brags about how he's learning how to kill people and he's trying to figure it out. And he said, he says that he heard Anna making her suicide video. And so he was planning on just stepping out right before she died. So like all the creeps, just all the creeps. He says he just wants to watch her die. Yeah. And he's like, the best part about this is that I'm supposed to be in New Hampshire right now. So nobody will suspect me. Here's the thing that's freaking insane is the fact that this kid, now when you think about it, right, what Anna witnessed from across the street is Katie getting stabbed, obviously by Ethan. It was in Uh Ethan's room. And so there was a body in Ethan's room. Like, this is where you get to realize that the dad had to know about it because he had to have helped his son get rid of the body. Oh, yeah. Like, how are you just going to get rid of a body in the middle of downtown New York? You know, like not even downtown, like where are brownstones, like Upper East Side? We actually aren't told what happened, like how they disposed of Katie's body. But the point is that Ethan couldn't have done it by himself because there was also a bloody crime scene there at the same time that police officers walked in. Do you know what I mean? There's just no way that that didn't know. And also the mom, she probably knew too. For sure. And Anna, she tries to deflect Ethan by like, you know what? Like, I don't want to live in a world where you live here anyways. So she pours all these crushed pills into her wine, tops it off. But then she busts the wine bottle and attacks Ethan with it and tries to run. Yeah, she tries to run. Ethan, of course, takes off after her. Thankfully, oh God, this part is terrible. But David, the tenant, is not dead dead. Uh He grabs Ethan's ankle, giving Anna a chance to get a, a head start. But Anna, instead of going downstairs. She goes up. She goes up. Why? Uh Do people do this? (laughs) I don't know. She goes up and Ethan then for real kills David. Mm -hmm. And he chases her all the way upstairs to like the rooftop garden. Dude, first of all, freaking gorgeous. Okay. 10 out of 10. But Anna never enjoys it because she doesn't go up there. (laughs) She never enjoys it. It's a very brutal fight scene that ensues out there. Also, Anna is having a crazy panic attack because again, she's outside. Yeah, a brutal fight does ensue up there. At one point, he like cuts her Achilles of one of her feet. I did not appreciate how graphic the scene was. I just don't, I don't want to see, I don't want to see the graphic parts of it, but it's a very gruesome fight and Anna Mm -hmm. gets like injured really badly. Yes. The only reason that Anna is able to survive this is because she has a really old, crickety skylight <laughs> in her t- in her townhome. She does. It's been leaking and it needs replaced and everything and she knows about it. She throws Ethan onto it at one point and then she just sits there and hits it until it cracks and he falls through. And these brownstones are like th- four stories. So he falls f- four stories and uh, yeah, he's dead. And then Anna again, passes out. And this drives me so crazy. Like I, I, it would drive me crazy reading this book. If anytime something exciting was happening, she would just lose consciousness and wake up in a different scene. Like, come on. I have questions. Who called the cops? Oh my God. No, yeah, that's so true. Who called the cops? How long did it take for someone to call the cops? Yeah, Anna wakes up in the hospital. The nice male detective lets her know that they've arrested the Russells. 
he lets her know that they found Katie's body. And so the detective is like, ooh, this is so awkward. My bad. You were right. Someone actually was murdered. We totally didn't do our job. First of all, if you get told that somebody was murdered in a house, wouldn't you like walk through it? Because if they had walked through that house, they would have found a bloody crime scene upstairs. Yeah, they didn't. And the guy's like, hey, listen, you're going to be getting a lot of apologies from a lot of people over the next few weeks. Mm -hmm. I want it to be the first. Yeah. And then he tells her that that her phone was seized for evidence and that there was a video on it. And he's really nice. He leaves it with her. And he's like, you know, not everyone has seen it. So I'm going to leave it here. And then you're going to surrender it to me when I come back in a few hours. So you can go ahead and delete anything you don't want to come out. And she's like, are you sure? And he's like, "Uh, yeah, just... Yeah. Like, honestly, let's be honest. I'm kind of a shitty detective. So it's just right up my alley to do this because anything that they find on her phone is going to be part of this like whole investigation. And it's going to be public record eventually. Like, imagine the media. Dude, imagine this story as a true crime story in the media. Are you kidding me? We would love it. Oh, God, I feel so bad, but I really would. Yeah. Well, it would be like a 12-part documentary. It would. After this, you know, things kind of fade. And it's nine months later. We see Anna leaving her leaving her brownstone. Mm-hmm. It's empty. Yeah, she's moved out. And it's implied that she's better now. And I just kept thinking, okay, so the way you cure trauma is by rubbing more trauma on it. All better. She rubbed extra trauma on it. Well, it's like a double negative equals a positive. (laughs) So if two bad things happen to you, the next thing has to be a good thing. It's girl math. Totally. That's how girl math works. Yes. (laughs) If you have two drinks and then you drink a water, the first two cancel out. Okay. If something is on sale, you save the amount of money that it was discounted. Yeah, that's that is how that works. That's not girl math. (laughs) That's just regular math. When you return something, you are making money because you are getting money back. If you pay for it in cash, it's free. Exactly. So I just, my God, it's just this movie. Listen, it was fun in certain parts, not fun in other parts, and just really like far-fetched in a lot of parts. I knew it was Ethan once the real Jane Russell was introduced mm-hmm. um, or fake Jane Russell, whatever, Jane Russell number two, mm-hmm. once she was introduced and that scene, I knew it was Ethan. And I also knew it was Ethan because he's the only one that nobody ever pointed the finger at. That's so true. That's a good note for when I write a story like this. I actually have this really dope, like thriller, true crime type shit idea for a book. And I'm excited. I need to write it. I haven't told you about it. I tell you all my story ideas, but I want you to be surprised. So I like, I don't want to give you spoilers. But anyway, the teapot is empty for today. Don't worry, more is bringing on the way. We'll be back next week with another episode. See you next time. Bye.